In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you, they are angels always to behold the face of my Father who is in heaven. It is nothing short of tragic that our sinfulness prevents us from beholding God face to face. For to gaze upon the face of God is to receive from him favor, blessing, light, and life. And it was for this purpose that God created man in his image and with his righteousness. With these, there was no risk for man in looking upon God's face. It was always to be for good that man would see God's face and never for bad. But when through the temptation of the devil man fell into sin, we lost God's righteousness and his image in us was greatly marred. And in the place of the righteousness with which God had originally endowed us, man now possesses original sin, concupiscence, that is the inwardly turned inclination to sin, and unrighteousness. And without the original righteousness we were created with, we are now unable to gaze upon God's face without death. Far from bringing blessing and life, when the unrighteous sinner looks at the face of God, it is lethal. For the sinner, God's face is not one of blessing and life, but of wrath and anger. And all, after all, no one can look at the face of God and live. But at the same time, it is also fatal to be separated from the face of God. Looking at God with your physical eyes of your sinful body leads to physical death, but separation from the face of God leads to eternal death. Hence, the ironic benediction implores God to shine his countenance upon us not once, but twice. For separation from the face of God means separation from his favor, his blessing, his light, and his eternal life. So as it turns out, we're dead if we look at God and we're dead if we don't. Such is the tragedy of the fall into sin and its resultant effects. For the ancient Israelites, especially the pious prophets, this tragedy manifested itself in a desire to be reconciled to the face of God, to be reconciled to his life and his blessing, but it resulted also in a fear of doing so. So when Isaiah finds himself in the throne room of God in Isaiah chapter six, he is terrified for he is standing in the presence of the Lord of Sabaoth. On the opposite end of the spectrum though is what we tend to see all around us. No one even seeks after God. Most who even acknowledge the existence of a deity consider him cruel and unloving and they want nothing to do with him. And thus when we look around, we see what happens when the face of God and his grace and favor are despised and spiritual death ensues. The world devolves into all forms of malice and anger, debauchery, and the rudest and crudest of sins. So if we are to live eternally, we must be restored to God's face. But this, of course, we cannot do ourselves without bringing death upon us. God must be the one to do it for us. 
And so Jesus, the eternal Son of God, veiled the glory of his face, which in its glory shines brighter than even the sun. And in the humility of our very own human likeness, he takes on our flesh. Not only that, but for our sakes, the Son of God subjected his face to shame and abuse. His face was struck, beaten, spit upon. In place of the kingly crown that was his by right, his head was decked with a crown of thorns. And finally, the eyes of the face that brings life, that created the universe, those eyes closed in death. He who knew no sin became sin, so that the wrath which proceeds from the face of the Father might be directed at him instead of us. And this he did so that we might become the righteousness of God, that we might stand before the face of God to receive his favor, his blessing, and finally, ultimately, his eternal life. And we will certainly behold God face to face for all those benefits that it gives us, thanks to the merits of our Lord Jesus Christ. We will gaze upon him with our own eyes, and we will do so for eternity. But we do not get to do this yet. This viewing of God's face will be delayed as long as we continue to sojourn on this earth in our sinful flesh. Nevertheless, we are not separated completely, even now, from the face of God. Though we do not look upon God's face, he shines his face upon us and grants us grace and forgiveness. Not only that, but the gospel appointed for the feast of St. Michael and all angels, which we are celebrating today, tells us that God has appointed angels to watch over us and that these angels always behold the face of the Father who is in heaven. Until the day arrives when our bodies are raised from the dead and we see God face to face, God has appointed angels to guard and to protect us. They guard us and protect us primarily from the assaults of the devil. They watch over us when we face temptations to sin. Temptations, Christ says, are certain to come. But through the work of his holy angels, we know that God is providing for us the means of escape. The angels protect us when the devil accuses us with our sin and burdens our conscience. The angels are there to beat Satan back and to drive us toward Christ's means of grace for forgiveness and for life. And these angels do none of this by their own will or by their own authority. They do all this by the power and authority of God and at his will and his command. Any power they have over the devil is not their own. They rather enforce the victory over Satan that Christ won by his death and resurrection. And we know that they are doing the will of God because while they are always with us and fighting for our good here on earth, at the same time, they stand in the presence of God and behold his face. The holy angels are not bound by space in the same way that we are. They fight for us while gazing upon God's face. And more than that, the angels desire that we join them in heaven to behold the face of God eternally.
Thus they rejoice when sinners repent and come to the knowledge of the truth. The angels rejoice when you repent. For they desire to do for you as they did for Lazarus, whom we heard about last week. They desire to carry off your soul to the bosom of Abraham when your earthly life in this frail body ends. They desire to do this because they want you to join them in the presence of God in your resurrected bodies on the last day. They want you to look upon the face of God as they themselves do, that you might also eternally receive his blessings and his life. This desire of the angels is also then of course the desire of God. And if God so works for your good through his holy angels, then no demon, be it the devil himself, can thwart the salvation that is yours in Christ Jesus. Lord, let at last thine angels come to Abram's bosom, bear me home, that I may die unfearing. And then from death awaken me, that these mine eyes with joy may see, O Son of God, thy glorious face, my Savior and my fount of grace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We rise for prayer.